0: Surprise! Yeah, I know. Here I am, right? So, uh, good morning, church. Good morning. It's nice to see you all. It really is. So, thanks, Jody. Um, it's actually been quite a a long time since I have been in front of you uh, preaching. It's not something, as I've said over, and many of you know, you, because people ask me, hey, when are you going to preach? And I'm like, I can't stand preaching. <laughs> I can't stand it. And, and, and the thing is, like, it's not that I'm, I'm not uncomfortable in front of people. I like the attention. I do. <laughs> but what the, the hardest part for me, the hardest part for me, is, that, is the prep work. And I know that's probably the most important part of everything. But it is really difficult for me to, to accomplish that and to do that because I lose sleep over it and, you know, do all those things. I just, I just, I have a hard time pulling it all together. But Rick Miller, bless him, <laughs> thinks I need to grow and, you know, and so, 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 so here we are. And I, and I did, I finally said, I know, you're my boss, Rick, yes, we'll, we'll get up here and, and do this. Um, And so the reality is, I'm actually really thankful um, to be up up front today, uh, especially because we are in a season of life here at Zion that is a really important one. Uh, We are in the vitality process, and we've been talking about this a lot. You've probably, we've been preaching on it, I think it's been the last four Sundays, um, and we are going to continue to move forward. There's only this Sunday and next, I believe next Sunday is our last Sunday of of preaching on it, but we are moving forward. And it's a really important time in our church, because it is a time... (laughs) For us to once again, because I do believe Zion Covenant Church has been a healthy missional church at many times in its past. And I'm not, and I'm not even convinced that we're totally off the mark right now. But we want to check ourselves, right? We don't want to get so far down the road where all of a sudden we're like, whoa, how do we end up here? We want to always, always, always try to lean into being a healthy missional church, so now, like every other talk that has started, we're going to start with this. Uh, two, there's two things, right? We're going to start with this. And, and uh, I know Rick is going to listen to this. So, um, so, so we're going to make sure that we do this really, really well. So before I ask you to say it out loud, we're going to cheat. And I'm going I'm to ask you the questions out loud, but I don't want answers. I want you to... Ponder a moment, because wouldn't you agree? Sometimes these questions come out, and you're like, "I, I, I I didn't even come on. Didn't even have time to think about that." So we're gonna, I'm gonna give you a chance to think about it. So, the Evangelical Covenant Church, which is the denomination that we are a part of, has these two definitions for what is what is health in a church and what is missional in church. So the two questions are, and we're not gonna answer them right away because we're gonna do it nice, loud, and proud at one point. So. First question is, uh, what is, what does it mean to be healthy, a healthy church? There's two words, two words, that go with that one, two words. And the other question is, what is a missional church? There are one, two, three, four, six words that go with that one, okay? So, okay, like, think about it, have a moment, think, if you need to cheat, ask your neighbor. You can ask your neighbor, if you're not remembering, or you want to share it all together, like, what, what's he even, and if you know what I'm talking about, I... I'm sorry, friends. Cheat. Get, ask around. Cheat. Okay? All right. Are we ready? Give me the nods if we're ready. Are we Are ready for me to actually ask these questions? So, and the only way that Rick's going to hear us is if you're loud, and it goes through this little mic on my ear here. So, all right. Two words for this first one. What is a healthy church? A church that? I heard Marty. Let's try it again. Let's try it again. A healthy, so Marty, what did you say? Share it with everybody. Pursues Christ. Okay, here we go. What is a healthy church, church? A healthy church pursues Christ. Right, okay, now we're up to speed. The second question was missional. 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 Six words, and the first word is pursues. Okay, if that helps. All right, hopefully it helps. Okay, so uh, a missional church is a church that? Pursues priorities in the world. That was much better much better. So number one, a healthy church is a church that pursues Christ, and a missional church is a church that pursues Christ's priorities. Now, the extra credit question. What's that little tagline that Rick sometimes likes to throw out there? Anybody remember this one? This is not for everybody. If anybody just can shout it out, what do you think? Lost Nancy's got it. Okay, Nancy, what did you say? Lost? Yes, lost people found. Hurting people helped. We all know that, right? It's just one of those things. I thought the extra time would help you guys, but obviously it's 9.24 in the morning. So... Anyway, all right, so, so the, for the past four weeks, like I said, we've been talking about these missional markers, and we are on missional marker number eight. We've kind of doubled up on some of them and things like that, so we're on missional marker number eight, and obviously, Rick was pushed this one on me, so, and it is, missional marker eight is heartfelt worship. <clears throat> so our missional marker for the, today is heartfelt worship, and you know, at first glance, it seems kind of obvious, right? If a church is healthy and missional, like when you go there, wouldn't you think that this is a place where worship was just like really experiential and heartfelt and everybody's like all in? And yeah, you would think that would be the case. But however, there's a whole bunch of questions I feel like that come come to my mind when someone speaks of heartfelt worship. Because the reality is one person may worship in one way and one person may worship in another way. Like and how do those match up? And if we're just looking on the outside. So some of the questions that come to my mind is what does that even mean? How can we even judge, like, heartfelt worship? Who's responsible for this? Like, who's actually even responsible for it? And they're just some of the questions that might come up. So the intent of this morning is to try to unpack that. And I am not that, like, articulate. I kind of wander around a little bit. So I'm going to make one point there's going to be one point, and I hope you don't miss it. I hope I don't miss it, but one point. I'm going to make one point. So let, let's pray. God in heaven, thank you for this opportunity to gather together. God, our desire is to understand and to lean into worship a little bit. So we ask that your Holy Spirit would move and that you would open up our hearts and our minds to be ready to hear what it is that you want to say to us. Not what Jay wants to say, or, but what you might want to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, still on the first page. So, um, we're going to start with Psalm 96. So, and, it, and, it, and you don't need to open up to this Psalm, because actually, we're gonna, we're gonna, I'm going to read it out loud, and we're going to invite you to just listen and try to um, cue in on action words, on, on the ways that Psalm 96 says that we are, are to respond to God, that ways that he says, what are the activities? It, 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 you'll see what I'm saying here in a second, but I'm going to ask you a cue into those. So let's just take a breath and get ready to hear Psalm 96. And at the end of this, I'm going to, I'll ask you, what, what words did you hear? What did you, what did you notice? So the first uh, 96 verse one, it says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things that he does. Great is the Lord, he is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory that he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let the earth tremble before him. Tell the nations the Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken, and he will judge all people fairly. Let the heavens be glad, let the earth rejoice, let the sea and everything in it shout his praise, let the fields and their crops burst with joy, let the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, he is coming, he will come to judge the earth, he will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth. All right, so what did you hear the psalmist calling us to do? Just, just going to shout out wherever you are. What did you hear? He said praise, praise, right? Proclaim, proclaim. praise, proclaim. Sing, remember. remember, worship. What's that? Rejoice, Rejoice. be glad. Be glad. Something about strength, yes, I like it. Other, anybody in the back, what did you hear? The whole earth, the whole earth. <laughs> the whole earth. Anything else? Honor. There was a part about offering. There was a recognizing. I like the word they used. They used the word publish. Right? Publish. Post on Instagram. I don't know. But publish. Publish the deeds of the Lord. Recognize. It's, it's about God, right? It's about God and responding to him in this passage. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Throughout the whole book of Psalms, which, and many of you probably know this, but the book of Psalms in our Bible really is the original songbook of, uh, of, the, of the Jewish people, of the Israelites. And the writers continually make note of God and respond to who he is and what he has done and what he is promising to do in the future continually they respond to who God is, what he has done, and what he is promising to do in the future. No matter what the circumstances these, uh, the writers of the Psalms are in, and we all know this, if we read the Psalms, we were like, my goodness, if this was one guy, this dude was nuts. And it wasn't just one guy. But the Psalms are these ups and downs of every emotion humanly possible. Lament, extreme joy, comfort, depression, happiness, awe, etc. Etc., etc. It goes on and on. But the baseline or the, the establishing point of all of these things is amidst all of the human emotion, God remains the center of all that emotion. And it is always brought back, every psalm, it is always brought back to who God is, what He has done, and what He promises to do. So in 2009, everybody was born, right? Everybody in this room was alive in 2009. Charlotte, were you alive in 2009? You were born in 2009. So if you're eight or younger, you weren't born. Sorry. Um, so anyway, in 2009, uh, I was here on staff at Zion. And it was, uh, it was actually my first, I think it was my first summer going to, to Chick with, uh, with, With Zion, I'd been to Chick at at other points, but it was my first one. And what Chick is is Chick is a a triennial youth event for Covenant students, high school students. And it was my first one. And uh, and and it was funny as I was thinking about 2009. I was thinking about some of the some of the kids that were in 2009, and some of you parents are here. And uh, and I was just thinking and and thinking about how old these guys are now. They're all so old and have beards and are mature. So, anyway, but, uh, but it's just funny to, it, I had a lot of good memories. Um, now, Chick is this huge, massive undertaking that the denomination uh, puts on. And it is extremely, those of you who have been there, it is extremely well done. Um, you, the, the, it, it just is this well crafted day of learning, of uh, relationships and community and worship. It is just very, very, well done. And the, and the worship services, if you've ever been to a worship concert, it's, it's very similar to that, but bumped up a level in my opinion. I think they just do it very, very well. The execution is is perfect. The transitions are seamless. Everybody, somebody is always going to say amen, and we'll know who's going to say amen. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. i to see if Marty is awake. That's all right. So anyway, amen. Thank you, Marty. Uh, so any, it is like this... It, it is this perfect. It is this perfect world, especially to young people. I, I find, and so now someone like myself, who's my schooling is 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 worship leading and um, and things like that. That's what I went to school for, and and I and so I'm very aware of sort of the you know the I'm gonna use this word the production side of worship, where you're trying to pull things together, you're trying to craft this. This, this, this moment in time where you help people connect with God and with themselves. and to, you know, I'm very aware of those things. And so you'd think to somebody like me, I go to these things and I'd just be in utter awe. And usually, usually I am. And night after night we had speakers like Shane Claiborne, Stephen Furtick, Ewan McManus. These are professionals. These are guys that do this for a living. And so they know what they're doing. But something wasn't right with me. Something in 2009 was just not clicking, and night after night we'd be in the service singing, listening to speakers, and I just couldn't wait for the night to be over. It's, it sounds terrible, and it, and it just kind of got progressively worse for me. It, you know, as the time, as the week, and and don't get me wrong, this is really specifically the worship service when we were corporately gathered. The rest of the day was great, but it was something about it, and and it was towards the tail end of the week, and all of a sudden the worship team decided to play one of my worst, how do I write it here? One of my top five most disliked worship songs of all time. They had the audacity to play that song. Didn't they not consider me? They, just, they played the song and I had about enough. I sat down. I sat down and, um, and I, I sat down but I, I did the good pastor thing where I pretended that I was just into it and I sat down and, and just pretended like I just sat there. And, um, Pretty soon God spoke to me. Pretty soon he spoke to me. And, and, and it was it was very kind. It wasn't, I don't, I don't remember exactly how, but this is the impression that he that he spoke to me. He said, Jay, hey buddy. I don't care about your opinions. <laughs> because ultimately, all of this is not about you and what you want or what you like. Worship is about me so stop judging and respond so stop judging and respond now I have to admit I was not brought to tears but I was kind of shaken in my I was like oh my gosh god you're right again and I and I responded I stopped I stopped the criticism I stopped the judgment I stopped all of those things and I responded and I know all of us, right? We've been in worship service after worship service. We've, we've, many of us have done this all our lives, right? So we've been in that place before, sitting in a service, wondering, my gosh, when is Jay's sermon going to be done? Or how many times we, we sat in a service and like, are we really going to sing that chorus again? That five-word chorus again? It's five words. I get it. Or you open up the hymnal and you're like, oh no, this is a five verse hymn and we always play this really slow. This is going to take forever. Like we've all been there, right? We've all been there. But God doesn't care. <laughs> and I, I mean that in all love and honesty because he knows that worship is not about us. It is not about us. It's about God. God. And just like we saw in, the, in Psalm 96, right? In Psalm 96, it was all the direction was up, right? None of the direction was here. None of it was here. This past Thursday in our staff meeting, we, um, uh, Pam shared a devotion with us. And, uh, and, <clears throat> and, I, and because, because the sermon stuff is just gets all up in my brain and it overwhelms my life and it's really hard for me, all I can think about is the sermon. Even though it's one point, which hopefully you're picking up on already, <clears throat> But anyway, so I was hearing this, this uh, story about Jesus in a very different way than I normally hear it. And it was a story of Jesus, and it actually happens in three of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke. And, uh, and the story is where Jesus shows up at the temple. This is toward the end of his ministry. He shows up at the temple, and what does he find? He finds these money changers, and he finds these people wheeling and dealing right around in, in, in the temple, in the outside, outside perimeter of the temple. And Jesus rolls up in there, starts flipping tables. I mean, very few times we see Jesus really, really angry, but he was really upset. And he's flipping tables, and he's going off, and he ends with this statement. He says, the scriptures declare my temple will, not be, called a hu- or will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And so I heard this story differently. I heard it differently. And so Jesus saw, when he went entered the temple, he saw that something was wrong. He saw something was wrong. And Jesus was mad. He was mad. He was angered with this righteous anger. Because the reality is, and, and hear me out, I'm going to try to give the Jewish people a little bit of like, uh, you know. Okay, so they're, really what they're trying to do is worship, if you think about it. Because worship was about sacrifice and about making right with God at that time. Okay, so there's people there like, all right, yes, I'm making a little money on the side, but I'm actually trying to help you to engage with God, because I'm going to sell you the sacrifice, and you can go do it. So they were actually trying to do it right. They were trying. They were doing something. So I'm, I'm trying to give them a little credit. But Jesus was like, no, this is not. This is not how it goes down. And so after the, hearing this story, I was actually a little concerned about myself. And, um, and, I, and, I, and I thought, what if, what if, okay, what if, what if Jesus just like physically sh- showed up at one of our worship services or, or any number of worship services all over the country and world? What, what if he showed up? What would he be thinking? Would he have the same response? And I know that we're not, we're not you know, we don't have somebody guy out there selling chickens in the, in the parking lot. I, get, I know, I know we're not doing that. But are we coming to worship in a way that we're making it about us? About us? On a regular basis? I mean, are we coming? Uh, are we coming into worship being like, I'm getting forgiven this morning. I'm gonna get my forgiveness. Or are we coming? I gotta, see, I gotta see my friends. I gotta get together with my closest friends. Or you know what? Oh, mom, mom told me to go. I gotta go. She's gonna ground. She's gonna take my screens away if I don't go. You know. Or, or is it like, oh yeah, I agree with the pastor. Yeah, I agree with him. Yes, he tells me exactly what I want to hear. Or the music is fantastic. Ah, oh, just speaks to me. Yes, yes. Is that and I'm, is that what we're doing? And you know it's funny. And I'm not. My wife told me to not throw the donut table, donuts under the table. But I'm throwing them. I'm not really throwing them under the table. Would he roll up in here and be like, "This is it, donuts, boom!" and just like flip the donuts? It'd be a very sad day, Jesus. I'm sorry. And I'm not saying he has anything to do wrong with the donuts. But that, would there be some sort of like righteous anger at us? I don't. I don't know. I'm just proposing this idea. Like, what if? What if? Well, here's the good news, friends. The good news is this, that when we make worship about God, when we respond to who God is, what he has done, and what he promises to do, guess what we find? We find forgiveness. We find fellowship. We find a word that is spoken whether we agree or disagree with somebody. We hear the words, even if the the music is a train wreck, we hear the words that are being spoken, true words. We hear them because it's not about us. It's about responding to who God is and what he has done and what he is going to do. And I really think that is the heart of what heartfelt worship really is. It is simply responding. Okay. So the point, the one point I'm trying to make this morning, of what you can see in Scripture, especially in all of the Psalms, is that worship is about God, especially when we come, in all of life, but especially when we come together and worship as a community and corporately. And, and the good thing about this, what I love about this, is that he doesn't ask us to be like, all right, you know what? That sadness you got there, leave that in the Prius. Don't bring that sadness in here. Or that joy that you've been having all day, no, don't bring that. no. He says, come, like we see in the Psalms. He says, come, bring it all. I can take it. I'm God. I can take it. We bring it, and then we respond. All right, God, this is how I feel today, but what, is, what do I know to be true about you? What do I know? What is true about you? And we can relate in that way, and that's why the Psalms are like they are, lament, joy, depression, awe. That's why they are, because these are humans relating to God in these different ways. Now, there are some things in scriptures uh, that actually can help in this process, this process of responding corporately. And, um, and I, I, wouldn't, I don't think I would be a good youth pastor unless I, I sort of hopefully kind of pushed you out of your comfort zone a little bit, not necessarily just in word, but just in total embarrassment. Um, so this is what we're going to do. So I, I've collected a whole series of, I've, gone, gone, I've, I've had these on hand because I majored in worship and we talked a lot about this stuff. Um, and uh, so I have some scriptures that talk about appropriate ways to respond in worship isn't that nice it's nice it is good so I'm going to tell you a reference and we are going to do these things together as a body and a family right friends (laughs) cautiously yes yes right so here we go okay let's start with an easy one you want to start with an easy one all right, we're going to start with Psalm 47.1, and in Psalm 47.1, it says, give thanks to God with clapping. So let me hear some clapping. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's pretty good. All right, so there's another one. Uh, it's in Nehemiah 9, and the way we respond to Nehemiah 9 is by standing. So let's everybody stand. Let's stand, everybody. If you're able, excuse me, if you're able. So let's, let's remain standing for a second here. All right, um, and so the next one we'll go with is, let's do uh, Psalm 134, too, and I saw somebody in the back already starting to do this, but it says, lift your hands. It, asks, it says, lift your hands in honor and worship to God. A little uncomfortable, I know, and some, they can go here. Actually, we'll keep our hands up, keep our hands up there. Once, somebody told me one time that the in the ancient church, they used to, they would raise their hands like this, and what, what am I, what do I actually look like? If you were to, like, say, what do I look like? It looks like a cross, right? It's a memory of the cross. It's a beautiful thing. All right, so that's the, we got that. We got lifting hands. You can put your hands down. Um, Let us do, how about this one? We do this a lot of times at the TV or whatever, but there's something in Psalm 66.1 that says shouting. (gasps) How dare they? How dare they shout? All right, so we're gonna shout. And okay, I'm gonna count it down, but you can shout whatever you want as long as it's appropriate. Okay? All right, but we are going to give a shout of praise, and I'm going to count this down in three, two, one. Yeah. Woo! Praise God. Feels good, right? Feels good. All right, and now we are going to, in Habakkuk 2.20, it talks about silence. So let us in, just have a moment of, of, of silence here in three, two, one. Amen. Feels good, doesn't it? There's another one that's kind of uncomfortable. Um, there's something called leaping. I know you're like, where's leaping in worship? But in Luke 6.23. So if you are able to leap, if you're not, if you have bad knees or ankles, don't leap. I guarantee you God's not calling you to leap. Um, so, But we're going to do a little leap here, all right? We're going to do it in three, two, one. A little uncomfortable, right, right? A little uncomfortable, I know, I know. Some of us are better leapers than others. Some of us are. All right, you guys can have a seat, have a seat. There are a few others, we don't have the room or space, but there is bowing down where you actually prostrate yourself. Prostrate yourself. How humbling. There's kneeling. There is singing. There's playing musical instruments. There's offering. There's dancing. There's dancing. See it over and over. And those are, just, those are just a handful of the main ones. You know what's fascinating? And this is something they used to talk about in the school that I went to is like, guess what the only posture you don't see in, uh, in worship is? You wanna take a guess? Sitting. Isn't that fascinating? It's like, sit down and praise the Lord, amen? <laughs> sit down. I'm, I know we're sitting, I know, I know. I'm not saying sitting is bad, but I just found that fascinating. We do it, but I think all anyway. So I'm not trying to like call anybody, whatever, right, sorry. No. I just found that fascinating, it's a little point. So here we are. Worship is about God, and it is about responding to who he is, what he has done, and what he is going to do. That is the one point. It's not about us, it's about him. And now we have this wonderful table. This table before us, which in my opinion is a perfect example of God's activity and our response, opportunity to respond to his activity. And the cool thing about this table is what do we got here? We got juice, and we got bread. Our table is just made out of wood. I mean, it looks really nice, Lisa. Good job. Or wait, did Lisa do this today? Where's that Pam? Good job. Some. But it's just a table. It's just bread, it's just juice, but something mysterious and special has happened. God made this special, just like us, right? I mean, God, we're just like, I'm not going to get all scientific, but we're just like water, you know? I mean, we are these things, but God has made something special out of us. And here at this table, we come in response to who he is and what he has done on the cross, and that's our opportunity and whether you've responded to this table numerous times or whether maybe you've never responded to this table before, today is a day where we are going to worship as responding to who he is and what he has done and what this is symbolic of. And also what there's something mysterious about this, this meal that we take together. There's something very mysterious The gospel tells us that on the first day of the week, the day our Lord rose from the dead, he appeared to some of his disciples and was made known to them in the breaking of bread. It is true for us as well. Christ is made known to us as we break this bread and drink this cup together. As we prepare to come to the Lord's table, we reflect on our reason for thanksgiving and faith and our need for forgiveness and love. In this time of silence, we remember our Lord and Savior who called us to share this meal together and we thoughtfully examine the state of our faithfulness and our unity with his body. So let us first respond in silence and awe of who God is and what he has done and the fact that he invites you.